everybody, and Hello. welcome to the Macaw Podcast Universe. Your name is Jordan Macaw. Your name is Mike Macaw. We are married. Welcome to spooky season. It is October, Jordan's favorite time of the year. The leaves are changing. The pumpkins Let's are... be real, though. Spooky season started for me a month ago. Well, yeah. I mean, let's but be... But the spookiest season right now. Right, right. Yes, and there's fog, and hopefully there's no more smoke in Medford. Yeah. Um, and here we are. We're covering a spooky series. If you tuned in last week, you heard all about Fear Street Part 1, 1994. Or, or is it Fear Street 1994 Part 1? No, Part 1. Yeah. Yeah. And today we're talking all about Fear Street 19, Part uh, two, two, 1978, and um, we had not seen these movies. I mean, they just came out in July, so it makes sense that this is our first time watching them. Yeah. And last week, we said, yeah, that was fun. We had a couple of issues, but we liked it. Yeah. This week, we're going to find out what we think. Mm. But why, I mean, why are we here, Jordan? What is it that we do as well, a podcast? I guess we prove we exist to prove people wrong when they say sequels are never written the originals i don't know i think that's, that's it like part of it that is that is why we're here and so we take film franchises uh, maybe last fall you remember we went let's explore all six terminator movies um maybe we explore all five pirates of the caribbean we go through it all baby we do that for you we watch Pirates of the Caribbean, the Javier Bardem one, for you. On Stranger Tides, yes. We watched Terminator Genesis for you. And we don't, we did. all we ask for return, in return, is a listening ear. And I should mention, uh, I just have to say to our audience, um, just as like a little, you know, bring up, we've covered two movies on this podcast that I think are like oppressively bad. Suicide Squad and Terminator and Genesis. Terminator Genesis. And I find, for some reason, when I do the dishes, I often think about how uh, how insane Terminator Genesis is and how it doesn't work on any level. Hmm. Doing the dishes? I I think it has something to do with when we moved into our house. At one point, I just turned that episode on just to listen to it and see how it sounds. And I was just kind of, funny enough, like cracking up listening to us talk about it. I guess it. that's good. And um, yeah, Terminator Genesis, a movie that doesn't work on any level that it attempts to. No. And I remember in my head before that, I was like, Suicide Squad is that movie. But Terminator Genesis is worse. Yeah, it's worse. I would rather watch Suicide Squad any day. But speaking you of... you know why? Oh no, they both have Jai Courtney in it. I, know, that's, I think that's part of the connection too. Yeah. But here's here's something for you audience members. Here's a little inside baseball. This Thursday, not your Thursday, but the Thursday we exist in, our timeline, say, we'll call it timeline 1978. We oh. are about to see The Suicide Squad, James Gunn. And it's a Tuesday right now. We're so close, and we're both really excited about it. I know, man. I'm feeling like it's probably going to be my favorite DC. Yeah, me too. 
And so if it's not, this will be really funny to hear us talk about how hopeful we were. I know. This is how crazy it is, the level of excitement for this movie. Yeah. I am so excited to see John Cena in this. I am too. I am so excited to see John Cena in this. I'm excited for the show. I haven't even seen the movie yet. I don't even know what his character is. But there's a show? I'm already watching it. And it's it's so wild that HBO greenlit a show about a character we haven't even seen. I know. Um, but I'm excited about it. I mean, James Gunn. It, it, what's wild is um, I've been spending a lot more time on Twitter. I wish I spent less time. Not because I'm one of those people that's going to complain on a podcast about Twitter, but I just don't think it's all that good for you to just scroll all day. But um, I follow James Gunn, and he's just been retweeting for like two or three weeks um, all the press screenings and stuff, anyone who praises the movie. So I am admittedly only getting one side of the story, but it's all these people the saying... The one side you want, though. Yeah, and it's all these people who are saying all these crazy things, and it's the stuff that, like, excites me about the idea of that project. I know. So, all of that to say, today we're covering Netflix's ni- uh, Fear Street 19... Uh, part 2... Ni- you just say ni- Fear Street 1978. Yes. Forget the part 2. I like to be particular. I yeah, like things well, you don't have to be particular. so... Okay. But um, what's also, you know, we brought up all these other franchises we've covered. This is the first and only up to this point series that did not premiere in theaters. Yep. Because we've made that a hard and fast rule so that we didn't get caught in like direct-to-video sequels, you know, like Aladdin or something like that. But this still feels like it's a legit, you know, like if we covered the, like, if, if we ever wanted to cover Aladdin, we couldn't because there's not a two and a three that have been released in theaters. They're oh, directed okay. video. That's okay. what I meant by that statement. I saw the confusion. Well, I was like, Aladdin was released in theaters. I don't know <laughs> what to tell you. <laughs> um, but here we are, and we made an exception. And I don't know, whatever happens to the film industry, maybe we're going to have to start making these obse- exceptions. I Obsessions, hope not. yeah. But um, Netflix feels legitimate. This did feel more like a TV show in the second movie because it was a there was a recap. I was going to talk but about that. Yes, I I don't I think it does feel that way just because that is TV. But mm-hmm. it is like this is a new thing though. This isn't this has never happened before. Well, what what was really silly about the recap to me was it's only been one week. I know. Um, and it it really did make this. But movie... it's not exactly the most subtle series. Certainly, but it, this is not like it. This did not feel like a movie the way the previous mo- movie did, and I think that's one of the main reasons, like you said. And then what? What was also telling was like they did this whole recap at the beginning. Now we just skipped the recap, of course. We had just watched the movie, but then we, the first scene of the movie, they like tell you everything that happened in the last movie. Well, I don't think that's like the director knows they're going to do a recap. No. Well, I think because if you remember from last week, this was a series that was supposed to come out in June of 2020, Mm -hmm. and it was going to come out one month at a time. Mm -hmm. So June, July, August, a Fear Street movie would have come out. And when I watched this movie, I'm like, cut out the recap because they recap everything, and they do it in a way that like works. I thought. Yeah. That first scene when they're talking. To catch you up on everything that's happened and yeah. what's going to happen. Yeah. Because you don't need that. No. And it, it, 
it might be like Micah, you were being so particular, but it really felt like it it put the movie on the wrong footing for hey, me. Hey, this is a new thing. It's this is the time to be critical of it. Yeah. It just it was just like okay, I'm on Netflix and I'm watching a limited series. I'm uh-huh. not watching a movie. Uh-huh. Is how it felt. Which is how a lot of streaming shows feel these days or 8-hour movies. Yeah, which is the ironic thing. Yeah. Um so, okay, we've really set the table. Do you have any p- table setting you want to set? Uh, no. Okay, I'm just checking. Yeah. No expectation there. Yeah. Um, what did you think? We we talked a little bit about it, but I don't know what you thought of the movie in general. Yeah, I didn't enjoy it as much as the first one. It it's it, So, like, in the first one, I know we talked about how it felt a little tonally. It didn't make... It, it just was a little confusing. In terms of like, yeah. who was this for? And then we watch this one, and it feels even more like I don't understand what the tone is they're going for. Mm-hmm. It, it was very weird yeah. in that way. Um, I do, I do enjoy the series being told backwards. I think that's fun. Very fun. Um, but definitely did not enjoy it as much. This movie did not make sense medically to me, and I really tried not to go there. On things. Yeah. But once we talk about the movie, yeah, we'll I will get, get into that why I got there because yeah. we, and I, I don't remember if we talked about it in the last episode, but in horror, a lot of the times you, you might be this person and that's okay. Or you might know someone who's like this. You're watching a horror movie and someone says, oh, I would have never done that. Oh, I would have yeah. never run upstairs or like gone this way. No, no, I would have never. And it's like, you might have if you were shocked. Totally, totally. Like, oh, I'm running in this direction because that's where my feet are carrying me. Because, you know, like a classic thing. It's like, you do not run upstairs if you were being chased by someone. Yeah. Yet, that is what what happens in, like, every horror movie. And it's just funny. Not just that stuff, but, like, other stuff. And whenever people say that, I am just trying to really be in the mind of the character that was written for to do these things and to to think this way yeah it's like i think maybe this character would do this of course there are some times where decisions are made where it is like that really actually doesn't make sense and i think this movie goes there yeah well there's a difference between like breaking your own logic that you've set up yes or or um i'm forgetting the term again but um suspension of disbelief yeah breaking the suspension of disbelief and you know like there's the which it's a funny joke, but like when, pe- it, you know, you've heard people say, you know, they go to that waterfall in quiet place. Why don't they just live by the waterfall? Yeah. To which I say, then there's no movie. Yeah. <laughs> what, what Do you want to see horror movies where everyone like perfectly does everything? Because then there's no drama. It's not exciting. Right. And if you have a house, it makes sense to live, you, you know, all sorts of questions come up and it's, it's like, just don't start thinking about how cars work in the movie cars like like you <laughs> well, can't that's a little <laughs> you can't go there because you go too deep and then you just you lose yeah. it all you lose your mind but i i kind of feel like horror gets an extra mm-hmm. layer of critique because there's yeah. a difference between like lauren when we watch horror movies with her a lot of times she's screaming don't go up the stairs don't go up the stairs that is like her response. Like a reaction, yeah. And it's very funny. <laughs> and, that's fun. I think it, that's fun. It makes it pretty fun to watch horror yeah. movies with Lauren. But um, when someone's like, that's stupid that they went up the stairs, I'm a little like, okay. Well, like a good example, so Lauren and I are currently watching Sweet Home, which is a Korean 
show on Netflix. Uh, it's a horror show where this like virus, maybe I haven't finished it, is turning people into monsters. Definitely recommend. It's fun. Uh, but it's all these different people try in this very stressful situation trying to figure things out. And they, I think that all the characters are so unique and written in their own ways that they do. Some of them do make dumb decisions, but it's been set up that maybe they're not the brightest person. Or, oh, that's cool. Or their decision is based on being selfish so that they survive. Yeah. Therefore, it's like, no, don't do that. You would, I would never do that. And it's like, you wouldn't, but this selfish, dumb person would. Yeah. And that's why they just died. So, like, that's a good example of, like, not agreeing with a decision a character's made, but understanding why they made it. Yeah. Well, and, and I think a lot of people have been trained, like, a la cinema sins, where they watch movies yeah. to find those things. Oh, totally. Whereas me, on almost any movie, unless the movie's, like, totally lost me, if something logically doesn't make sense, I'm like, come on, how does this work? Yeah. No, there's got to be a way that I can explain this so that I can be okay with why they did that decision. Yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah. And it's, it's just be, and, and it's like, maybe it doesn't make some, quite enough sense to you or it doesn't work for you. Maybe don't like, like try not to let that ruin the movie for you. Yeah. Like I just watched the empty man, another big recommend on HBO. Uh, it's a new, it came out last year, but no one saw it cause they dumped it in theaters during COVID when you couldn't even go to a theater. Horror, Really interesting story. By the end of it, though, when it came to explain how it all worked, I was like, what? I don't get it. Or is this too crazy? Wait, is the twist that he's actually a full man? He's so full. He about He's about to explode. He, he can't so he's not eat anything empty. else. Yeah. So it was just, it, but, but therefore it is like, I still enjoyed the movie, though, even uh -huh. though I don't quite understand how they got to the end. Sure. And I would watch it again. Yeah. Cool. Just don't write things off quickly yeah in horror and, and in general having said that i didn't really like this movie <laughs> yeah um i i like the story of the movie yes i don't like a lot of the execution of the movie yes um and and you, so you brought up the tonal stuff i want to talk about that a little bit because okay. i think that's a good way to see the movie through the lens i'm i am a little confused too and I feel like a square. I feel like uh, the character Cindy in this movie, where where I'm, I'm just kind of like, are you trying to do the teenage audience or are you trying to do the adult audience? Because it kind of feels like it's a little too like young adulty yeah. as far as yeah. the um, like subject matter, yeah, and how it's being portrayed, and um, for it to be like, oh, dad, you got to go see watch this horror movie, yeah. but it feels like. But there are some Pretty very adult things for like teens. But maybe I'm just too out of touch with teens. I haven't been a teen for almost ten years. So, so just you know, sexual content in this movie. Yeah, and it, it's just th that's part of the weird tonal thing that it feels like for us that maybe we're just squares about. But it also feels like <laughs> like a '70s horror movie when that was kind of a trope where it the was, teenagers it are having sex and then they get killed. Well, because this is this is like if if the previous movie was Scream, this is Friday the Thirteenth. Yeah, a movie that I've seen like five minutes of. Yeah, I haven't seen it. Why Scream? I'm thinking seventies though, so think of Halloween. Yeah, well, Friday the Thirteenth is uh, uh, at a camp at a lake with a killer oh, killing is. people. What does that take and place? It came the out 80s? in the seventies. You said Scream. Scream was like the first movie. 
1994. Oh, I'm sorry. I understand. Now. Okay. Okay. Yeah. 1994 is Scream. This one is Freddy yeah. the 13th. Friday the th- not Freddy the 13th. Friday the 13th. Yeah. And it's not Freddy. It's Jason. I know. I know that, but I just misspoke. Um, and so, yes, it's it's almost like given that there's going to be sexual content, but it it did just feel weird because it I, felt so in your face. It felt so in your face. It was just strange yeah. to me. But maybe we're just squares. Maybe we are squares. I'm okay with being a little square. Yeah, me too. Um, but not only that, that's not the only tonal thing that was off. Um, children are murdered in this movie yeah. a lot of children and they they do us the decency of not actually showing us the children being axed to death but a lot of kids die yeah and it is just just feels weird for some reason well and and that made me think about something we talked about last night yeah. which is so if you're unfamiliar with the horror genre ever since halloween the John Carpenter movie, there's been this trope where if you have sex, you get murdered in the movie. Premarital sex specifically, I think. Yeah. So you get you get killed. Yeah. And I was thinking about that while this movie is going. And, you know, you were saying maybe there's some like, you know, not maybe not religious. I don't think necessarily the filmmakers were thinking about this, but I think audiences assign that, like parents assign that. Yeah. To it, like the the subliminal messaging of don't do that. Yeah. Or else you'll you'll get punished. Yes. Yeah. Um, but then I thought of something, and I have no idea if this is like common knowledge or something, but I thought it was kind of smart if it's not. Um because the, the, Mike is tooting his own horn. <laughs> beep beep. Uh there are little kids getting murdered in this movie. Mm. And I was like, why does this feel worse than like if the counselors got killed in this. And I thought to myself, I think that maybe a, another subliminal reason why characters have sex and then get killed is because if if you, the audience member, saw these characters having sex, you know, to some degree, these are adults. And so if they get murdered, you've seen them do something that's very adult. Yeah. And so now uh, it doesn't feel as bad when they get killed. Yeah. On a subconscious level. Because it's like, when I see the kids get killed, I'm like, they're just innocent kids that got killed. Yeah. But and they were playing a game. Yeah. But then my my devil's advocate to my own self would be, how come I'm okay reading and watching it and the, all the kid deaths and that don't bug me? I mean, they bug me to the degree that it's supposed to. And in this movie, I'm like, why did they have to do that? Like, on this, on this movie, I feel like I'm kind of like, why don't you just rewrite the script? Well, here's a, a thing for that, specifically with it. From my memory, I read it a really long a while a while ago, and like like the when children are murdered, it's tragic. Not to say that this movie it's not tragic or anything, but it doesn't really oh, make right. it yeah. feel tragic. It's just like remember in the first movie there was that axe murderer. Well, this is him doing it, and he murdered kids. But it, there's no time to like sit in it that he just murdered children. When in it, it's like tragic. It, yeah, it's you're so right. tragic you're right. that the opening of it is Georgie getting murdered. And that's that affects your main character the whole book. Yep. I think you're right. I think that's the difference. And then, of course... And if, I think that's where the weird tonal thing happens. Yeah. 
And and then uh, what's funny is I I think if anyone's read the book, they're probably like, I think you guys are being a little hypocritical if you think the sex in this is a like oh, kind of yeah. weird. Yeah. But it isn't. For the record, I think the it sex stuff is very weird. Yeah. And not great. But anyway, so we'll just leave that there. And let's talk about Fear Street. So far, we have yet to go to the street. Wait, do you have production notes? I do. Oh, okay. Yeah, uh, that's what I meant by let's go to Fear Street. Um, It's pretty much the same. Because remember, they shot all these movies like back to back to back. So they basically shot one and three, I think simultaneously. And then they shot this one. So this was the last one to be shot. Um, And I'm just going to tell you the differences between last week's episode. Because basically all we have is the the writers from the first movie wrote the third movie. But then the second movie, um, Zach Olkowitz, um, he did the screenplay with Lee uh, Yaniak. Mm-hmm. And, oh, Yaniak, that's how you say her name, I think. You I, said it, yes. I think but, I said Janiak. No, you didn't. Oh, I did, because I looked it up, yeah. Yaniak. Uh, anyway, um... <laughs> So this is Zach's first uh, credit as a writer. Um, and then the story is all... I bet that's going to be... I think that might, he might be the weak, weak link in the chain. But if that's your first no, screenplay, that's No, but I'm just saying if the first good. movie and the third movie are written by the same person, there might be just more of a similarity in, of overall tone, I guess, for lack of a better word, Yeah. than in this one. Oh, Okay. We'll f- we'll check back. I'm up not saying on that the person's a bad week. writer. Yeah, I'm looking at the series as a whole. Yes, um, the story is those two people, Zach and Lee, plus Phil Graziade, and then music again. It's Marco Beltrame, but this time uh, Brandon Roberts is with him, who did Twilight Zone, the show, the okay. new one, uh, Motherland, Fort Salem. The show that we saw oh, ads gosh, for. That the internet is trying to get me to watch so. I've gotten so many ads for that show. I'm not going to watch it. Stop it. And then he also did the music for Chaos Walking. So hmm, maybe we'll hear hmm. about him a little later this month. Winky, winky. Are we doing that movie? Well, it's only one movie, Jordan. How would we be able to do it unless it was a completely failed movie that oh. was supposed to launch a franchise? That originally had a screenplay by Charlie Kaufman. Hmm. Well, I guess maybe we'll... Oh, my we'll, gosh. Maybe, Are you serious? Maybe we'll talk about that uh, on a special episode coming soon. Um, and then this movie came out July 9th, 2021. And those are my notes. Not many notes when you have a shared production I for love three it. movies. It's great. I hate it. I like when I get all the notes. We'll see The Godfather if you if you're dying for production notes. Um, <laughs> These movies are the opposite of yeah. The Godfather. So Sadie Sink plays Ziggy Berman. Um, she is Max Mayfield in Stranger Things, a character who was introduced season two, I believe. And she's playing the same character in this movie. Okay, exactly. But I just got to go on my Stranger Things thing for a second. Let's do it. So. When she was introduced, so uh, season two, Stranger Things, they introduced Micah's least favorite character as well as introduced (laughs) his favorite character. I'm talking about Billy as Micah's favorite character. Yeah, Billy rules. Max being his least favorite. And I got to say, she was the weakest link in season two. 
Yeah. Season three, I think they finally gave her something to do. And yeah. I enjoyed her in that one. Yeah. I think she's talented. She's a little tough, but um, I I like almost liked her in this movie. And and I, I think I might be colored from how much I didn't like her in Stranger Things. You know what I mean? Yeah. And and she, I mean, she's like a difficult, she's like the outsider. You know, when she, in season two, they're, they move it to that town, right? Like they're new people mm-hmm. in the town and she's getting into this group of friends, but she's still an outsider. Therefore, she's has a hard time like understanding everything that's going on, which just makes it frustrating. Yeah. And, Conflict. and if she, if she like hung around Disneyland and a squirrel jumped on her shoulder, it certainly wouldn't be Dale. It'd be Chip because she's always got a big chip on her shoulder. That was so lame. That's unbelievable. I'm I hope just somebody likes that. <laughs> she's also an Eli, the Glass Castle. And that's about it. And a couple other things like Unbreakable Kimmy Schmidt, Blue Bloods. This is, this is just the beginning for her. Yeah, I think I think we're gonna get a performance that I really like out of her eventually. Yeah, I think so too. And then Emily Rudd plays Cindy Berman. She's in the Romanoffs, Dynasty, Hunters, Electric Dreams, and a lot of other TV shows. Okay, okay. Ryan Simpkins plays Alice. She is also in A Single Man, Revolutionary Road, Brigsby Bear. Oh, maybe that's what I recognize her from. Brigsby Bear. As well as The House. Um, and a lot of other indie stuff, which is pretty cool. And then McCabe. This is this person's first name. McCabe. Interesting. McCabe? McCabe Sly, who was given potentially the worst hairstyle in a recent movie that I've ever seen. Now, quick pause. Uh, if you have been a fan of this podcast for any time, occasionally Jordan has thoughts on hair and I got excited because I think Jordan's going to have a lot of hair thoughts on this. This episode. is just what I got to say with hair. That is so interesting is if, cause this is the, this is Tommy Slater. McCabe Sly plays Tommy Slater, who was the boyfriend to Emily Rudd. And if you've watched this movie, Wait, is Emily Rudd related to Paul? Let me, I'll look that you look up. It up. You, you talk. Um, so if you watch this movie, you know who Tommy is. Now look up his IMDb picture or Google him and just see how different of a person he looks. Like that's how, how much a hairstyle can make a person look so different. Dare I say, kind of hard to look at when he's supposed to be the cute, perfect boyfriend. Yeah. It was so bad it there, was, i don't i don't know what they were thinking there were a couple other hairs like, that were oh yeah but like for his she's hair, not related to uh, paul rudd okay but like for him he's supposed to be like the cute preppy boy thing and as it's like uh, his hairstyle didn't even feel 70s yeah it was just a bad hair style yeah don't do it yeah and then there's this <laughs> other character who was a police officer who was Obviously, a twenty-five-year-old man. <laughs> oh yeah, his hair was insane. Acting as a police officer who was maybe 35, 40. It's so funny. It was awful. Like the casting in this movie is pretty off. I gotta say. I think the um, casting's bad in this. It's movie. It's pretty bad. I do think there's that a couple Sadie people that Sink, do good. The girl who plays Ziggy is good. Like she yeah. fits. I think her sister's but pretty good. I think she's okay. Um, but yeah, so this police officer guy, like. 
<laughs> he's obviously wearing a wig. Why? It's, it's he's a, crazy. Why does he have to wear a wig? I don't. What are you trying to convey with that wig? And it was a really bad wig. But and it wasn't supposed to be a wig. Wink, wink. Well, if if you are going to have a wig on your character, I, and and if it if it doesn't look bad, you need to emergency dial whoever did the wigs on Portlandia. Seriously. Because anytime I watch a sketch from that show, has that person won an Emmy? They've won like three or four from that show. Yeah. Like for costume and hair or makeup and hair. Because every time you're like, yeah, I guess that's Fred Armisen and he has dreadlocks. Sure. And that's my hair soapbox. Okay. <laughs> Continuing on, Gillian Jacobs is in this. Did we touch on her last time? Um, I don't recall. Gillian Jacobs, known as Britta Perry and Community. Yes. Uh, she's also in The Box, Choke, Injustice. Does quite a bit of voice acting. I think she's kind of making a play to be the next Scream Queen. What do you mean? Well, you know, Jamie Lee Curtis, uh, the Scream Queen, as in, like, was in horror movies and whatnot. Okay. She got it from, and her mom was in, um, was it Psycho? Psycho? Yeah. And so she was the Scream, you know, so there's, like, these... Um, actresses who like famously it's like they were in these horror movies and she's been in so many horror movies now i feel like she's kind of either really loves the genre or kind of wants to be known as like the horror gal hmm. that's interesting i haven't thought about that well start thinking about it she's so great guys watch community she's amazing in it she's also in i don't remember her in lemon do you i don't remember her in lemon either but yeah, you've if you've probably heard her voice in cartoons that you've watched. Um, is that about it? Oh well, let's touch on Ted Sutherland who played Young Nick Good. Yeah, also uh, bad casting. I thought he was okay. I I mean, he, I just did. he seemed too old. I I just that's what's so confusing is the they're supposed the to be at one year was, apart. Well, it's but... just such like an a, a hard age range when it's like a camp. And like, there are kids like like ten year old kids. Yeah. But then, like Ziggy is like probably thirteen or fourteen, and she that's like her last year as being a camper. Yeah. And then the counselors are like fifteen or sixteen. It was just it's just a I feel like it's kind of hard to cast looks yeah. wise for that. But like this guy who I feel like was supposed to be like fifteen or sixteen, like you can tell that he has to shave every day. <laughs> <laughs> right. Right. Um, he is in Rise, The Deuce, Law and Order, Special Victims Unit, Fading Gigolo, The Walking Gigolo, uh, The Walking Dead, World Beyond. There's a what? How I many Walking Dead shows are there? I don't want to get into it. Yeah, we can't have that conversation. But that's about it. Wait, what year was he born? I'm just curious. Oh yeah. Oh, I want to look at that other kid. It doesn't say. Ah, okay. Because I think Sadie is 19. She's 18 or 19. Who's Sadie? Oh, really? Uh, she was yeah. born in 2002. Yeah, so she's 19. Oh, that kid's in Pen15. This other little kid. Well, I'm going to have to cut that out. That doesn't help. Sorry. <laughs> oh, wait, are, are you done? <laughs> oh, yeah, I'm done. <laughs> you just don't speak. Put your phone down. Set it aside. <laughs> so, 
What do I always say, Jordan? And so it begins. Now let's say, so the movie begins. <laughs> and we have a ad from the previous movie, okay, previously. But on. in reality. And then it's followed by a news report that tells us what happened previously in very intense detail, like the entire plot of the previous movie. Then we see the note, because we're in Gillian Jacobs' apartment, house, house, I mean. And we see the note that last episode... Uh, you and I were kind of like, how come the sheriff like put a note under a door and we were confused? They pay that off. So, okay, egg on our face, we'll take it. So the police officer, the sheriff is Nick Good. So he is in the, the, the kid version of him is in this movie. Yeah. That's important. Um, but Dana, Dina, <laughs> and Josh show up to Gillian's house. Well, I guess you see Gillian... I don't know, live her life in this house, which is yeah, very she, structured. I liked this. Like she has like a timer and she sets everything like her locks and she's has like some OCD tendencies where she's doing things a certain amount of times. Yeah. And then she forgets to lo uh, lock a window because she gets a phone call. Yeah. Um, oh, and that note said it's happening again. Yeah. Um, and then Josh and Dina break into her house. Mm-hmm. She's very scared and stuff. And but it's very, like, they have Sam from the last movie, who is still possessed by the witch, locked in the trunk of Dina's car. And Gillian's trying to get them to leave. Yeah. Because she can't help them get out. To you know, from what we know in the last movie, they have no other place to go. So they're, Dina and Josh are like, you need to help us. So she sits them down, and she's going to tell them a story. Yeah, and so what I... I know we so we talked about the previously on, but after seeing this movie and how they intro the characters in, which I think it's a pretty good beginning to a movie, I do think when I think back on uh, the first movie, 1994, the way they ended it also makes it feel a little more like a show than a movie. Because they could have ended it with her wrapping Sam mm -hmm. up with a the phone cord and showing Josh and being like, Oh no mm -hmm. credits. Mm -hmm. But they felt the need to have them show up at Gillian Jacobs house. Mm -hmm. And they're like, Hey, you're the girl from the camp. We mm -hmm. want to talk to you. Um, but then this movie starts with them and they haven't got there yet. And it shows them get there. So it's like, have a little more confidence that your audience will be hooked and you don't have to like, like that's a Beat big over the head with it. Big cliffhanger to have her end with her wrapped up in the phone cord. Yeah. But you don't need that, like, end cap on it, especially when people only have to wait seven days. Yeah. Like, have a little bit of faith in I what know. you're doing. Yeah. And that, to me, feels like that probably wasn't in, like, the theatrical versions of these. Sure. Yeah. Because, and I, you know, like, with the previously on, like, it just, the way they begin this movie, it's very much like, hey, you haven't seen the other one in a little while. We'll catch you up really fast. Yeah. So... It's just those Netflix details that I think kind of lessen this a little bit. I think so, too. And so another thing that this movie does that did not phase Micah and I for a second was <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. she's sitting him down and she has like photographs and stuff. She's like has these pictures. She's going to tell her story. And she says, so, so she had a run in with the witch when she was a kid at summer camp. And it happened in 1978. And she says... When we got to camp a week, like in a week, my sister would be dead. And then yeah. you see the picture of her and her sister and the camera zooms in 
And I mean, for not for a second did I think that Ziggy was not Gilliam. Yeah. It, it's just weird that they would think because at the, later on in the movie, it becomes like a a, a well, twist. At, at the end, she's like, and that was me. I was Ziggy. And they're like, you were Ziggy? It just is so like, and, and I'm just it, thinking like casting wise, the Sadie Sink is like the one of your most famous she's, of she's top anyone build. in the she's a, 1978 She's number section. one on the call sheet. Absolutely. And you know that because everyone's seen Stranger Things. Therefore, you know <laughs> yeah, that yeah. they're going to cast the most popular actor like like in this story where like, that's her. There's just no question. So don't make it a twist. We don't need it. Yeah. Well, and, and it, was, it was funny because they, they leaned on you remembering that in the first movie, they say it was a C. Berman. Yeah. Like the letter C. Berman. And I had to look this up afterward because I was like, wait, why was that a twist? And... And so throughout the movie, they're like, hey, it's Ziggy, it's Ziggy, it's Ziggy. And then her sister's name is Cindy. Mm-hmm. So you're supposed to be like, okay, so Cindy is. I think Gillian you and Jacobs. I were also thrown off because we couldn't figure out if her name was Cindy or Sydney. <laughs> yeah, yeah, we could. <laughs> yeah, this episode's making us sound like we've never seen a movie <laughs> before. <laughs> but it was, it was just kind of funny. Um, and then when it ends and she's like, I was Ziggy, it's, it, that's, I mean, maybe I'm you know, doing the waterfall to quiet place here. I'm like, why would she be telling the story to them in a way that makes them think that there she's... was a girl Ziggy and her sister yeah. Cindy. It just doesn't make sense. And it's like, we find out that her real name, I can't remember. It's Christine, yeah. Christine Berman. Yeah. And it's like, okay. And, and what does that add to you as the viewer? It adds, it's a complete nothing doesn't of a affect reveal. The story at all. It's like the, the Ra's al Ghul daughter thing in Dark Knight Rises. You're like, okay, I guess. <laughs> yeah. It, it could it, have been Bane. <laughs> Who cares? Yeah, yeah. So they're at summer camp and you learn pretty quickly that everyone hates Ziggy. Well, it actually opens with He's her running being through the bullied. Woods. Yeah. So they're She gets clotheslined by some clotheslined guy. Clotheslined <laughs> by a dude. And then there's this dude and three girls, and they're gonna string her up at the hanging tree, which is apparently where Sarah Fear, the witch, was hanged. Yeah. So they're hanging her up from it and they're going to burn her. And um, someone comes just in time yeah. and stops it. Um, and you just, no one likes her. Uh-huh. She, and it's, they do hold this theme in this movie that didn't last one, that shady side. So this camp is full of shady side and Sunnyville kids. Yeah. So you have that rivalry. Obviously Ziggy is shady side. And her old character is very similar to Dina's where it's like, well, I'm never getting out of here. This place sucks. No one can get out of this crap hole. Like contrasted by her sister, Cindy is pretending like she's not from shady side and is working so hard to get out of it. Yeah. But she even fails. So that's the setup of the character. Yeah. And, um, and then we see the counselors having sex. Yep. Um, and we find out that good old Cindy, she is a total square. She's like a classic Jordan and Micah. And they're like, can you give us pills? And she's like, no, I'm not going to steal pills. And they're like, you're so such we're a- We're not working. We're not helping. And then you find out that Cindy and Cindy and Alice used to be best friends when they were kids. But something happened and they are not friends anymore. They actually hate each other. Yeah, they do. And... um. 
so we get some more of that. We meet Nurse uh, Ratchet. I was going to uh, say that too. <laughs> Nurse Mary. Nurse Lane. Nurse Lane. And her daughter was Ruby Lane. Yes. Who was one of the victims of Sarah. And Nurse Fear. Lane is a very haunted individual, yeah. and she has the witches. I mean, it's not a pentagram, but like a witch's symbol, like in a notebook, yeah. open on her desk. Very suspicious person. She helps Ziggy with her burn, goes on her way. And then soon later, Nurse Lane goes up to Tommy with a knife and says, you're dying one one way or another tonight. And uh-huh. she, she's going to kill him. Yeah. And I like This is all very cool. Yeah. Um, I, I like what, what I like about this is the rest of the scenes where Tommy is around. He's like so haunted and freaked out. And everyone's like, no, no, don't worry. Nurse Lane is, she was crazy. They carted her off. It's fine. Yeah. And, and this he's is like, like not a real, this is not today. a real complaint. This is, yeah. but it, it's just, it's like, wouldn't it can't be over yeah. if the nurse tried to murder someone who, who yeah. was at the camp? Camp is over, guys. Parents, you got to come pick them up. I was a little confused about the camp situation for certain. Well, it seemed like once Nurse Lane, uh, once the police showed up to cart Nurse Lane away, there were there was not a one adult left at this camp. Yeah, there were a couple I saw, but frankly, this is a cursed town. So, and they're by the hanging tree. So let's chalk it up to that, I suppose. Okay. Um, we meet Officer Kapinski, his terrible wig. Yeah. Um, oh, his terrible wig. And one way or another, you're going to die tonight. And then the color war begins. Or am I jumping way too far ahead? No, I don't think so. Ziggy is trying to... Ziggy doesn't care about really participating in any camp, camp stuff. And you see she goes back to her where she's her, to her cabin and there's really mean things written about her all over the walls. Yeah. So she's going to try and get back at them. Uh, but the color wars... I thought they were going to like throw paint at each other. <laughs> That's what I thought too. But it's just, just red versus blue. <laughs> what is it? Isn't it just capture the flag? Well, that's the first game. What they, does it become? Well, I think they say I think they say the first game of the 3 oh, is see, capture the flag, wasn't but we, paying attention. we never got to that. Oh. The the second game because little old Tommy. Oh, Tommy. He got an axe and he started killing little kids. Yeah, so like at there's just even just and maybe it's because i haven't quite had these experiences or anything yeah it just doesn't feel very authentic to me like like i just think it's not well written like keep keep going what i don't know i just feel like the camp doesn't seem very fun it's just a bunch of kids who hate other kids guts and then they're gonna play this game to basically continue that rivalry of pitting two towns against each other it's just not fun and, yeah, and I, th- I think I that's think a valid point. Yeah. And I think it's like, basically it's just tradition where this camp has been going on for so long and it's always been sunny side and shady or shady side and Sunnyville people, kids mm-hmm. at this camp. And it's almost like you can pretend like that's the time of year when everyone comes together, but that's actually not true. Yeah. I don't know. It's whatever. <laughs> it, yeah. There's, there is sort of a there there is like a disconnect I think that and and maybe it's cuz like I went to Christian summer camps when I went to summer camp so maybe like that's the disconnect but it just doesn't it feels a little like not authentic to a real world situation. Yeah, and I think and this But we're dealing with the witch curse. I yeah. understand that. So Yeah. And I think I was just like 
didn't I just didn't really care for um the old like the counselor's story. I cared more about Ziggy slash a camper's story. Yeah. And it, most of the movie was about the count counselors. Ziggy. Maybe that was supposed to throw me off the center or something. Yeah. But, Ziggy colon a camper story. But not really, unfortunately. Yeah. I just like it just wasn't that engaging to me. I, mm -hmm. I wish it was like Ziggy. Still, still, people don't like her and stuff. But she, it's it's like she's irreverent and also kind of mean. So she's not helping her situation. But she's got like those two best friends, and they're always together. Uh -huh. And they're and maybe she still has the sister who's pretending all this stuff. But it's really Ziggy figuring all of it out. When really it's her sister figuring it all out. Which I guess now that I'm talking about it, that is the twist. Like that. Yeah. But we weren't fooled for a second. Yeah. There just wasn't enough Ziggy in it. Yeah. Um, so the sisters have like a heart to heart outside of um, yeah. the nurse's place or whatever. And, you know, Ziggy saying, hey, um, Cindy, no, C Cindy, Cindy, you are so fake. You pretend everything's okay and it's not. This town sucks. And then she's like, well, you say that everything sucks and you're apathetic. So we kind of, you know, it's like, okay, now we know where the character arcs need to be by the end of this. Exactly. And it is Which like, is not bad writing. No, I'm just, no, no, no. And it's, it is actually kind of a similar situation to Dino, you know, in the last movie, absent father, absent, I mean, I don't think they, they have a mom, but so absent father, alcoholic father, and her attitude towards the world is she's just going to continue the cycle of that. Yeah. And then in this movie, it's Cindy is trying to reject that cycle and trying to get out by being someone who she's not. Yeah. And then Ziggy is just like, whatever. This is my life. Everyone hates me and I hate everyone else. Yeah. So. Her. Well, so. So. So Cindy and Tommy go back to the nurse's place because they want to try and figure out, like, was she on drugs? What was going on with her? That's when they find her notebook. And then they also find some pills that are unmarked that the, that cindy is like oh, this explains everything so cindy is a person that is analytical and is like there is an answer to everything uh -huh. and it's black and white and then alice and her boyfriend show up and they're both stoners yeah and they're foiling their plans I well guess. And they they like steal the notebook and the the drugs and uh -huh. they take the drugs and they're like let's go look for this witch thing yeah because there was a map yeah and they head to the house of sarah fear yeah and they're going there, and the I did think that this was very clever. Was like the the main like stoner is going, oh this this is L four A four or something. And he's like, what is that? What is that? And for the whole scene, like they're all preoccupied with this witch stuff. So yeah. Alice is like, this is so much fun. Yeah. To kind of a annoying degree, and then the others are worried. Uh, like like uh, Cindy is worried about the situation they're in, and then Tommy's still like, I think I might die soon. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So I don't know what's going on. And the whole time, I'm forgetting his name, but the, the other boyfriend's just like, what is that? And then after something really crazy happens, he's like, oh, it's aspirin. Yeah. That's what it is. And I just, I liked that detail of no, him yeah, just I thought that, I only thought thinking this about that. sequence was good. I liked yeah, it. Yeah, this was very fun. And, and it was also the set was really, I liked the set. 
So they yeah. like go underground and there is like, this is the place where Seraphir like does her stuff. There's this, all the stones with people's names written on them that she has possessed and have murdered a lot of people. And Thomas's name is on that. And Tommy's name which is on Which I it. like that touch a lot. That was like, Yes, Ooh. which is what the nurse said is that his name was on the stone. Yeah. Um, and you see that like this, this isn't the only room. Like there's, it's like a tunnel system. Like this goes, it's much bigger than this. Um, so it's just fun lore that they expanded yeah, yeah. upon. This is all fun. And while there, Tommy becomes possessed. Yes. And then he kills, um, the boyfriend, the boyfriend, L4, A4, we'll call him. Okay. <laughs> uh, he has a interesting name, like an old name, you know? Not something you meet anyone with that name. Arnie. Arnie, yeah. That very much sounds like I'm reading an old Stephen King book, and there's a character named Arnie. Yep. Um, so Arnie dies, and the, the two girls are trapped in this tunnel. And Arnie dies very graphically, but it's almost comical, I think. Yeah, that's what's funny is all the deaths, except for the kids, um... And, and maybe it, maybe it's just a lack of my knowledge of the slasher genre. I've seen Halloween, and then I've seen other movies, but not necessarily like the significant slasher movies. You know what I mean? Like Halloween is what... Mm-hmm. Well, and Psycho. I guess Psycho is the true birth of the slasher. So I've seen like those two movies as far as like if we're talking about pivotal slasher movies. So mm-hmm. I'm, I'm not an authority in the subject. But the... the there, uh, some of these scenes border on like Quentin Tarantino, where it almost feels like you should be laughing. Uh-huh. Particularly the emotional climax of the movie mm-hmm. is like kind of funny. It doesn't make sense. It does not medically make sense. Well, we're not there yet. Well, this kind of goes with it, I guess. So they're in a very cramped basement with little swinging room, yet Tommy successfully drives an axe through the middle of Arnie's face, and his face is gone. Yeah. Much more CG in this movie, by the way. Much more CG. Like, all the kills didn't really look that good. <laughs> no, but I think they were going for just ultra-violent. Yeah. And I know the last movie was violent, too, but this one was, like, more violent. There wasn't even a bread slicer in this one. <laughs> but he he dies, like... And, and I think they got away with it in this scene, even though the CGI wasn't great, because it was so dimly lit. Yep, yep. We also didn't even talk about that. But whatever. So, um... He dies. Girls escape. Rocks fall. So Tommy is cut off from them, from yeah. the girls. And well, the, the girls are trapped underground. Yeah. And meanwhile, um, uh, Ziggy and Nick, the cop, are like, well, he's not a cop yet, but they're like getting to know each other. And they're kind of like, could a Sunnyviller really like a shady cider? Could that really happen? Um and so they're and, you know, and really i just didn't care about this yeah i think it's cute like i, I think get it was it. decent it was decent they talked about stephen king i liked that yeah they did talk about carrie um yeah. which was fun and uh because because she wants to get revenge on her bullies so she's like well there's no pig's blood Mm-hmm. talking about carrie and then they, they they fill a bucket full of bugs and lures the like head bully girl into the bathroom and dumps the bucket of bugs on her yeah like that Gross. um and then finally like tommy is out there and he's starting to kill mm-hmm. and then um cindy and alice are down there and i think this is where i kind of take a step back 
and I let you take over the podcast. I've been talking so much. To talk about the broken leg. Well, they they start navigating their way through these tunnel systems and they're fighting because they have baggage from past friendship. So this is also kind of like this is a young adult thing. So it's not really bad for the movie. Personally, I'm just I'm like, please just talk already so we can get through this. Because they're fighting for a long time underneath the tunnel. And it's just like, just say why you hate each other. And then hug. And then keep going. But it took a while. But eventually, in their navigating the tunnel system, they come to this like giant heart in the earth. Yeah. Um, and you assume it's like Sarah Fear's heart or something. And Alice touches it and she sees all of the people who have been murdered because of this witch. And she is freaking out, seeing the faces of dead people, including Cindy, who's not dead yet. And she trips and falls and has a, I think it's called a compound fracture. Is that the one where it breaks through the skin? So her bone drabs through her skin. And it's wild because as soon as it happened, as soon as it happened, I was like, this is going one or two ways. She's dying right here. Or they are going to bandage this thing up, which is not possible. And continue on their way. Let me just tell you guys, they go with the latter option. So this is when they have their big heart to heart. And I did like this moment. Yeah. The heart to heart was good. But as this heart to heart moment is happening, this person's bone is sticking out of their body. And the other person just takes the bone and jabs it back into the person's leg. As if it's a, you know, like a, a dislocated ankle. As, listen, as if it's a dislocated now, ankle. I'll, I'll pipe in here. Jordan went, oh, what? And I said, I I, I think we actually paused it because we were talking about something else. We we had like a lot to talk about all Yes, sudden. we paused the movie to talk about M. Night Shyamalan for a couple minutes. We can't <laughs> help it. Old rules, old rules. Um, But uh, so there was this moment, pushes it in, and and you are having a strong reaction, and and I go well, Jordan. I mean, to give the movie credit, these characters are gonna die. Like if if nothing gets done, I mean, this is like a hundred twenty seven hours moment. Like you gotta cut it off, you gotta shove the bone back in, do whatever it takes. That's so I was I was like rooting for the movie. We're gonna we're gonna get there. It lost me very quickly as far as its medical stuff from what preceded. So this it was just so out of this world that I was like, I'm sorry, Micah, I have to Google this. What do you do when there's a compound fracture and, and you're not near a car or something that can transfer you to the hospital? You're, you're underground and you're trapped. Now, remember, earlier in this episode, we said when you're watching horror movies to give them the benefit of the doubt. Well, but, the, but I also said this movie gets into areas where you can't. Yes, that's and true. And this is why. So I could understand a situation where this happens and the other person, they're both in shock. Like, holy crap, this just happened. And the one person who's not hurt, but is like, I have to do something. I have to help her. I'll shove the bow back in. I would understand that. This character is fully, like, she seems compl- pretty composed. She as does not she have knows, like a, ah. as if she has medical training on knowing what to do yeah. and shoves the thing back in. I had to Google it. Do not shove the bone back in. If it's sticking out of your body, okay? Okay, but if you're about to die and you're trapped, maybe you do. That that was my but, argument, and now keep going. Okay, okay. But the thing is, when you have an exposed body part like that that is supposed to be internal, shoving something back in, you're shoving in all the bacteria and infection. Therefore, you need to go to a hospital, and I understand in this situation they couldn't. I get it. 
it, the doctor needs to take out the infection. Because as soon as that bone's sticking out, you got only bacteria going in. And by shoving it in, you're just introducing more of it. So this person's leg is broken. She shoves the bone back in and then creates a makeshift splint with some gauze and a knife. Okay. Like the knife is resting like uh, parallel to the, to the leg. For me, again, I'm like, I'm like, movie logic, I'm fine. I'm like, no, because I know what's going to happen. This person who just had, and I'll repeat it again, a bone sticking out of their body is about to get onto both feet and limp like she has rolled her ankle. And what does she do? She gets up on both feet and just walks. She like doesn't even skip. She rolled it, her ankle. It, it was actually astounding how little attention yes. she, she gave to it as far as and like that's, the performance. I have a big issue with that. Yes, and that's where I, you know, there's a point where she climbs into a bucket. No, you're not climbing into a bucket. Yeah, you can't do that. No. And and so And she falls down because that does that doesn't work. Yeah. And she's not like blood curdling screams about it. Yeah. Well, it, it's it's just one of those things that we've talked about so many times because we've covered so many action movies and stuff like that. Where where, you know, a screenwriter somewhere along the line is like, ooh, what if a bone sticks out? But they don't, like, think about the actual consequences of that. Like, this is such a different example. But I think about in Captain America Civil War, Don Cheadle's character flies out of the sky, breaks his legs. Yeah. And you're like, oh, wow, that's really insane. But at the end of the movie, Tony Stark has given him, like... Bionic legs. Bionic legs, like, mobility. So it makes me go like, well, what was the purpose of that? Because we didn't spend time with him to learn his development going through that process. It was just like, yeah, next movie he can walk and he's fine. So it was like, what? So why break his legs at all? Why did you break his legs? So this feels kind of like that where it's like, if, if you needed to slow her down, why did you choose something so intense? Yeah, I know. And I know what, you know, some people are probably thinking, well, it's adrenaline. Adrenaline is pushing her through. I d- definitely think that adrenaline can like it's your brain it's a defense mechanism of your brain to push through the situation and people can do extraordinary things because of adrenaline yeah this i don't think necessarily falls under that <laughs> no, umbrella no. like i think that she absolutely has adrenaline but you i don't think you can your body can physically support you when you have a bone sticking out of you like that yeah. it doesn't work <laughs> yeah yeah because it's sticking out of you it's not hold it's not even if it was broken inside her leg like i like it's not what am i trying to say i'm not a doctor it just doesn't make sense yeah it doesn't make sense and so they try and get out (laughs) yeah they do it they try to do a goonie situation so they get so they're underneath like the outhouses and ziggy is in there and she's trying to she lowers a bucket and it doesn't work because tommy comes in and decapitates the dude that is helping her try and get them out um, so they have to find another way out. That was also crazy. Yeah. But not so much as like children. Yeah. So, so like one of the, the scenes is the kids are oh, playing. Oh, when he chops off the counselor's head and yeah. the head falls down. Yeah, yeah. It that was, was sort of funny because you just had this headless body in between them as they're like, so what do you think we should do next? I know. I know. <laughs> so during all this too, so like they're playing this game and there's like two home bases for like, you know, one for each team. Can I can I pause because I yeah. just something popped into my brain. I think another reason this movie does feel tonally off is that this is not a movie like 
uh, like Django Unchained, where there's just like insane violence and it's almost kind of funny, and and the characters react appropriately because of that. Yeah. Um, you know, they shrug off violence. This is a movie where people are reacting to violence. They're screaming. They're running away. Yeah, that's so a good when thing to know. so when a, a headless body falls down and they're like ah, and then they proceed to have a conversation over the body and not even try to get away or push it away, are freaked out for like two seconds. It feels really weird. Yeah. Because they've been freaked out by everything. And they don't know what's going on up there. Yeah. So, the, so like, a lot of... I think that's why the violence in this series feels kind of weird. Because it's so intense, and the characters don't act appropriately to that intensity. Yeah. In, in a lot of ways. Yeah. And I felt like that in the first movie, much more in this movie. Yeah. I, I agree with that. But it's like, if you're doing a comedic thing where it's like, uh-oh, another headless body, throw the map on the back and talk about where to yeah, go next. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's funny. Yeah. Um, but when when you're like, no, this is really happening right now. It's just really gory. And the characters are like, okay. Ah! And then they're like, yeah, okay, it's fine. Let's keep doing, you know. Right, it's very, right. like, off. I, I think know. that's another reason why the tone of the these two movies has been kind of strange. I agree. So, like, Tabi is going around killing people, anyone he can find, and one of the, so, like, on this game, if you, like, tag a person, they have to go to, like, jail, which is guarded by someone from the opposing team. So, this kid is guarding these three other kids, and they trick him to get out, so they all leave, and he's alone, and Tommy shows up and murders this child, and that was was the first child murder of the movie. Yeah. And it it was, like, jaw-dropping. Yeah. I just don't know if it's in the way they want. Yeah, because, I mean, I and, suppose... And like, I just want to repeat that they don't show the children yeah. being murdered. Well, and I'm glad they didn't. Yeah. Oh, me too. But I, it almost feels like maybe that's their attempt at, like, um, breaking the mold of what you expect from a slasher horror movie. Uh, yeah, definitely. You know, like, definitely. no, we're not killing the people who had sex. We're not killing, like, the adults. We're killing the kids. Like, that's different. Yeah. Um, but it, it doesn't play well, I don't think. No, and it doesn't really mean anything. Yeah, and I'm still a little confused. Like, these these movies are so graphic. It's just confusing about the source material. I'm so confused by that. I guess you just got to read a book. Yeah. Because they're, they're, yeah, it's just, it's just strange. I mean, it, it just feels like, and, and again, you might be like, Mikey, you're being a square, but it feels like if they said, okay, we're going to make Hunger Games, which is pretty intense, yeah. but we're going to have like a ton of blood and they're going to say the F word. And it would be like, huh, that's a weird way to adapt this book Like, that I don't know if that read. quite captures the themes of that story. But I haven't read something. the Fear Street books. I mean, I doubt Same. a young adult book has this intensity. Having said that, though, it sounds like we're just smashing on this movie. Um, I, I like... I didn't really like this one, but I liked the other one, and I, I think this series is really interesting. I agree. And there's certainly, like, craft behind it. I, it's it's almost more fun to talk about just, like, how how strange it is because it's so... It's interesting in that way. Yeah. I mean, this is much better than, like, a tone-deaf movie that doesn't try to do anything, like a Suicide Squad. Yeah, definitely. I would so much rather watch this. Because this is like, oh, there's a lot to talk about. And there's a lot of good in this movie. And they're trying to do things. And maybe it comes off to us, like the tone's a little off. Yeah, and, and you know, I feel like for the most part, most most people would rather see someone, like, try to do something and fail than, like, do something by the numbers. And I am still having not, like... Like not enjoying this movie as much as the first one, I still want to know what happens. 
Totally. By the end of this movie, I'm so I'm excited like, oh, to I'm, watch the last I'm movie. I'm so interested in what the last movie does. Yeah. So, um, Cindy leaves Alice. Alice tells her to go continue on without her. She'll catch up. Not possible. Um, and Cindy goes and finds like a, a grate in like the mess hall where she's trying yeah. to get back to the surface. Meanwhile, Alice has the book and she reads some notes in it basically about, if you remember from the last movie, the witches, the witch cut off her hand. And so it's not buried with her body. And this is the hand that she like dedicated to the devil or something like that. Yeah. Um, and so based on the notes in the book and the geography of where she is on the map, she's like, Oh my gosh, I think the hand is right around here. Yeah. So she starts digging for the hand. Um, so then Ziggy is being chased by Tommy in the mess hall. She puts the bag on his head. That's right. That's right. And then when her sister comes by, her sister kills him after he kills Alice. And so that's why he yeah. has the bag on his head in the future movie because he died with the bag. Yeah, it took me longer than I care than I care to admit to remember that this is the same character from the last <laughs> that's movie. That's pretty funny. Yeah. Cuz even when we were watching uh, the other movie it was like, "Okay, so that's the 1978." I I guess I just like took notes in my head I I'm think like I so just he's was the not paying attention to that. <laughs> but um too, so- too busy thinking about the medical stuff. <laughs> yeah. So then they kill him, but of course he's not truly dead, mm-hmm. and he's fighting them again. And so now they're down to their options. The kids have been like shipped off of the um, the property. No, in a bus. The, all of the kids are dead. There is a bus that leaves, but most of the kids are dead. You no, know, there's a bunch of kids and stuff on. Who the drives bus. them? I don't know, but th- there's a point where they're like everyone get on the bus, and they all get on the bus, oh. and then the bus drives away. Well, I remember one time they go into a one of the buildings, and there's like so much blood, and there's a head somewhere. Yeah, that one had like uh, like probably seven kids. Oh, okay, well that's but, good to know. I thought everyone was dead. Oh no 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 the, no the, definitely not. Still insane. Yeah. So before Alice is murdered, they all the, all three of them realize they need to reunite the bot the hand with the body and they're like oh my gosh the hanging tree she must have been buried right where she was hanged or around where she was hanged so we got to get to the hanging tree which is the beginning of the movie alice dies so it's up to cindy and ziggy to do it they're going out to the hanging tree and that's when all of the other people who have been possessed by the witch uh reanimate and i like so they're digging and like you were going, wait, wasn't the body? Oh my gosh, by the I'm f- so dumb. I completely talked over this part. You did. We had to. Re- I had to be like Jordan. We had to rewatch this because literally you're- asking a question about something that was answered in that moment. And and guys, if you talk in movies, and I keep trying to tell Jordan this, which I'm actually, not that bad. Okay? No, no, no. I was gonna say you're not. You don't talk that much in movies, but when you choose to talk, it's a hundred percent of the time over dialogue. Yeah, you have to do it over action or scenes that people aren't talking. It's hard when you haven't seen the movie. Ah, but you know, you know. I, yeah, I know. I have faith in you. Um, I gotta say though, once the the bone out of the leg thing happened, yeah, you I was talking like, up a storm. Yeah, I were. had to, I had to vent about things. But so this scene was kind of cool. They're like digging, and the body's not there, it's and a they're stone. like, "No!" And the stone says, "Like Sarah lives forever," or yeah. something like that. And they're like, "Oh no!" And so then Cindy. Is basically like I'll sacrifice myself and fight them. You just get away. Yeah. But they all are able to congregate on them, 
and throw them down. Really only two of them. I didn't get enough of the baby thing again. Like the weird mask that one oh, was wearing yeah. with the bat. I thought we would get more of it, but... We'll get them next one. No, we won't. 1666? Yeah, but they're probably going to have to kill it in the 90s. Okay. They'll probably have to go back, you know? I just want a closer look at it. Yeah. At the costume. So then uh, Tommy swings on Cindy a lot. And we see it. We see it all. Like he hit, gets her in it's the chest with the axe so many times. Like seven, that eight I feel times. like her head should not be part of her body anymore. And it it is. So this I will fault the movie, I think. That the way it treats a main character's death, death just feels like disrespectful to the characters. Yeah. Because it's it's so intense that and it's actually laughable how much he is hacking at her. Yeah. And it's like, wait, there there there's this heart to heart between the sisters where they've accepted each other as they are and they're looking at each other. Kind of like the last movie. Yeah, the other one's stabbing uh uh Ziggy. Ziggy in the chest. A lot. A, a lot. lot. Like they, blood they're doing it everywhere. so much. And and there's no restraint that's that's shown to these murders. They're treating these murders just like any others, which is like, oh, maybe that's cool because they're just showing the you know the craziness of it all. But I just think there's that basic film like language in, in a movie like this that you should convey, which is like this is these are important deaths. Yeah. Not just like everyone else. Yeah. And so they're just hacking away, and I'm like, each time another axe falls on Cindy, I'm like, are you kidding me? I know. <laughs> and each time um, Ziggy gets stabbed, I'm like, how is she, how do you, because rev- we knew from the previous movie that this character dies and comes back to life. That gives them their whole idea in 1994. Yeah. But I'm like, she's getting stabbed in the heart. If if you don't have a heart, your heart can't come back. Yeah, or because so like she's she does die, Ziggy does die, but Nick shows up and starts doing CPR, and like you're saying, is it doesn't it stand to reason that if you're stabbed? I mean, I guess we don't literally know if uh-huh. the knife reached the heart. It's got to get through sternum and ribs, but if the knife reached the heart and you're performing CPR, you're just pumping blood everywhere inside the body, yeah. not through <laughs> veins, but like where blood should not be in the body. Yeah. Yet she comes back to life. And and it's just one of those things where it's like, why didn't you just think of a different way for her to die, for her to come back? Yeah. Like, the first thing that came to my mind is, like, what if she's running in the lake or something and, you know, a bad... They can't do drowning. They did in the last No, no, no. Week. No, but, like, some... No, I was going to say, but someone, like, this is a bad example of how it happens, but they, they like, shoot down, like, a power line or something, and it electrocutes oh. the lake. And yeah. she dies. She's floated up. And then Nick comes, grabs her, gives her CPR, and she comes back to life. Yeah. You know, that. but it's like your heart's been pulverized. It is like I know. ground taco meat. And yeah. he, he, he's able to massage it back. Yeah. Um, But then we cut back, and the kids are at. Well, important to know. Okay. Oh, um, I did like this about the cop a lot. Yeah. This so is really good. Ziggy's in the, the ambulance. So it's really her and Nick who survived, I guess, besides some kids who got out on a bus. Um, but she is saying to him, like, Sarah is, it's Sarah, it's the witch. She yeah. did all of this. And you can just tell Nick, well, it's also narrated, but he does not accept it. Because his big character arc is he has a legacy because his dad was the sheriff. Yeah. And he is expected to honor that. 
And so it's like he's always thinking about his legacy. Uh-huh. So he can't believe in ghost stories. So he doesn't accept that as truth, even though you can tell by the look on his face and the note that he gave her that, that he believes in it. Yeah. And uh, yeah, I, I like I think it's this was like a great detail where the cops then go up to him and they're like, what happened? And yeah. he's like, this Tommy guy just went crazy. Yeah. So he doesn't he chooses the path of like untruth and becoming the cop instead of like facing the truth. Yeah. And that part, I was like, yeah, baby. And then we cut back to Gillian Jacobs and the the crew from 1994. And she's like, I don't want to help you guys. That's the story. And they go, but what if we told you we know where the body's at? Yeah. And that was like a cool moment. That I was a cool that moment. A lot. I was like, ooh, okay. Because I did forget that Gillian doesn't know that they know where the body is. Yeah, yeah. And that that kind of like reeled it all back in for me. Yeah. And then they're like, do you know where the hand is? Because this is, yeah, well, no, yeah. And, and she's like, I is it, it might be buried in the same spot. And then we're back to, this doesn't make sense uh, yeah, yeah. nitpick wise. So, well, okay. So it's kind of cool, but it doesn't make sense. So she knows where the hand is buried. So Dina and Josh go to where the hand is buried, which is the hanging tree. Because you do see a shot of the hole and it's raining and the hand slips into the hole right by the tree. So it's still there. Yeah. So they know they need to go to this tree. Where is this tree? It's in the middle of the mall from the opening scene of the first movie. Now, so what I think is cool before you yeah, criticize yeah, it. Yeah, go on the cool part first. I think it's really cool that they kept the tree and I think it's impractical but it does feel like if you were like reading a book or something, you know, you know, like imagine this is a Stephen King book. You have like a, I don't know, 20 page breakdown where he explains like the importance of the tree and how the town voted to to keep the tree when the mall came up or otherwise the mall would not be built or something yeah, yeah, yeah. fun like that to where you watch the movie and you're like, oh, that's cool. So I, I like filled in all those details and I like that. What was funny though was she like puts she she like put is it her hand or did she bring a shovel? They brought a shovel, I think. They brought a shovel. They they do like one tiny mound of dirt and the skeleton is right there. Yeah. Just like in the first movie with the skeleton and the chains being basically on the surface of the forest floor. Yeah. Of a person who was murdered in I'm assuming nineteen sixty six, murdered, hanged for her sixteen sixty six even. Sixteen sixty six, sorry. Doesn't make sense. Yeah. Well, also, another thing that was just funny, and their p- movies are gonna do this no matter what, and that is okay. And I want to express is intact. Yeah, yeah. And it's not a magic thing. Yeah, yeah. But ligaments and tendons yeah. do not survive that long in the decaying process. It would just be a pile of little bones. Although, actually. It could be a magic thing. Let's because, say it is because it's more fun. Because the hand is to rule over the land as long as it's apart from the body. So I like to think that it's a I'll, I'm with fully you. I'm with hand. you on that. That's fun. Because, uh, yeah, I mean, those details that we just criticized are kind of like, they're funny. They're not like bad. That doesn't make or break the movie. No. The hand thing. And I, I think the tree in the mall is really cool because it's like, oh, man. And like the, the resurgence of this curse happened at the tree again in 1994 yeah so i mean there might even be a scene in 16 in the next movie where like that kid at the mall like looks at the tree or something Hmm. 
I don't know. Yeah. Like you could imagine he did something by the tree and that's how it like started. Yeah. The ball rolling. Yeah. Um, so I like that. And then it ends with Dina. Like, uh, what does she do? So she reunites the hand with the bones. Oh she, yeah. She they goes do that back in this movie. Woods. I forgot yeah. about that. And she reunites the hand with the bones and has a vision. It's not confirmed yet. You think she was transported. I'm not convinced. Yeah. So in the, okay. 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 In our 1994 episode, you'll remember that I said, okay, so I think the next two movies, they're going to be telling the story, but maybe there's some sort of time travel thing. I don't know. And I think I called both of them because I think this is kind of a time travel alternate kill the curse thing that's about to happen. Hmm. That's what I think. I think it was a vision. Okay. We'll find out next week. Um, But do you have anything else to say? I don't think so. It's it's like I didn't particularly like this movie, but it's certainly fun and it's it's not the kind of movie where you go, "Hey, I really like 1970." Well, I try not to be this about movies in general anymore, but like if you're like, "Hey, I really like that one. I liked it better than 1994." I'm not going to I'm I'll be like, "Okay, I get it." Yeah. And I think yeah. I'm still interested in what's going to happen. Yeah, so next week we're going to cover it. 1966 or 1666 yeah and then uh we will continue our 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 scary scary boo boo fest as we do another horror series yes should we announce it okay we're gonna cover the movie series west craven not not friday the or not craven's Wes Craven's, but not not what you're thinking. We're about to say we're covering Scream. Oh, because he did Friday the Thirteenth. No, he did um, uh, the Nightmare on Elm Street movies. Oh, right, right. Yeah. No, Scream. We're doing Scream. So um, get ready for that. Four four weeks of that. Mm-hmm. Um, and then on Patreon we just did Kill Bill Volume One. So to talk about gore. I know. Seriously. Head right over there. Um, and then other than that, I think, I think we're pretty much caught up because we did Shang-Chi and the, le- uh, the, the nine, the nine ring, 10 rings, uh, a know. couple, a couple <laughs> weeks ago. I don't know. And then next month is Eternals. So yeah, I think that's about it. Yep. So happy, happy October. Woo-hoo. Woo-hoo.